Hey, Isaiah Smallman here, and you're listening to I Guess We'll Do It That Way, a podcast where I call my buddy John each week to talk about life, movies, and directing my first feature film. It's presented by Mama Bear Studios. Mama Bear's mission is to create entertaining works of art that explore our humanity. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. All right, here's episode three. Yo, what's up, Zay? Hey! Here we are. What's going on, my dude? John, I missed you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend like I didn't. I missed you. It's been a long and busy few days, my dude. You're still in New York, right? I am. It's our second to last day, our penultimate day in New York. Mm. We are just having an absolute. What an exciting hoot. time! It's a great time to be alive. This moment is the present. All of human history has led up to this very moment. Well, we have tons to catch up on. But I first want to hear. Uh, I want to hear all about New York. <clears throat> well, we have been going to see shows. Oh, baby! Like uh, plays, plays, musicals, plays, play a play, and two mm. musicals. And mm. we saw a children's musical. If you count that, did too. you? S- oh heavens! Oh, did heavens you see the? Um, did you see Daniel Radcliffe with with the naked horse thing? I did. We didn't see the show. He was just walking down Broadway. Oh, huh. It was was horrifying. That's kind of a treat. Oh, oh, okay. It was was not not a good thing. I covered the kids' eyes. Well, actually, we did Naked People. In Times Square, there are ladies who stand out completely naked. That's very kind of them. Yeah, they have body paint on, and they stand out there in the middle of Times Square and solicit for money. So presumably guys go up to them, like put their arm around their naked bodies and take pictures with them. Gross. Yeah, they have like band-aids covering their nipples to keep it, you know, Ew. keep it appropriate. You know, you got to keep it appropriate. They'd be so crackly. Yeah. Well, hey, man, technology has really progressed. You know, this body paint is state of the art. It's kind of oily. That doesn't sound any better. No, it's dry. It's like uh, kids paint. It's like acrylic paint. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we did. We have seen a couple shows. Last night, in fact, we went to see Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel, mm. which is about as fun as it sounds. That is to say, not fun at all. It's as like, as, yeah, as fun as riding a carousel. It's about as I would rather have ridden an actual carousel for three hours. Oh man, way cheaper. Well, t- tell me about way it. More tell me about it. Well, this is a really unusual show because um, it's so anachronistic. It. Rodgers and Hammerstein put these shows on that are like tableaus. You know, they have a very elaborate set, but it doesn't change for almost the entire act. It's very static. And I did not know that. There is almost no action and no dialogue. It is 90% singing. So picture, if you will, a bunch of people in old-timey dress singing a song you've never heard and you don't like for many, many minutes. Here's a question. Yeah, hit me. Musicals. Why are they three hours long? Why are they still a thing? Mm. I mean, seriously, mm. this mm. place is packed, completely packed. Tickets are not cheap. Dude, there are 40 theaters, approximately 40 theaters no. in Manhattan. Yes, technically Holy Broadway smokes. theaters showing Whoa. this crap every single wow. night. It's like, dude. There's probably some great stuff on Off-Broadway, I bet. Well, we, we saw a play. It was technically on Broadway, but we saw a play, and we don't usually see plays. It's called The Play That Goes Wrong. And spoiler alert, everything goes wrong, which is a funny idea. You know, the set is falling apart, and everyone's forgetting their lines. And at the end of the show, you know, the entire set has collapsed. It's a total disaster. It's funny. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Right. This is how Carousel should have ended, with the set pieces falling on characters. and Right. It was, nothing happened. Although, I do have to say, Carousel, the second act, I don't know, I'm sure the zero listeners we have have not seen this yet, but here you go, folks. The second half of Carousel takes of Is this very, a revival, by the way? It is, yeah. This show was written okay, in Okay, like sorry, the, start that over. The 50s. Yeah, the show was written in the 50s, and it's very unusual. So the first half feels like a very standard love story play. You know, it's a guy from across the tracks, a bad boy who is a, a carousel barker, which apparently is a great job in the 50s. Mm. Kind of a Romeo and Juliet situation. Precisely. Except it takes a very bizarre turn. So 
Towards the end of the first act, the guy finds out he's going to have a baby and decides to turn his life around. And he Mm. decides to turn his life around by robbing and murdering a man for $30,000. Nuh-uh. Well, it's actually $3,000 I adjusted for inflation. I figured it's like 30 30 (laughs) Gs. It's probably more than that if it was in the 50s. Two and a half million dollars. Let's do some math. Type, type, type. Yeah, it's about 600,000. So they... Oh, nice. He finds out he's going to have a baby. He sings a... 12 minute song about how he's going to fix his life and he's going to raise this kid to be a great man and then he realizes it might be a girl and has a crisis on stage <laughs> presumably because he doesn't know how a tampon works i mean it's it's bizarre dude this it's sounds bizarre. like the worst version he actually makes some comment in his aria about you know if this is going to be a boy he's going to be strong he's going to be a man and then he pauses what if it's a girl and everybody in the audience groaned they went no uh, yeah, because you're saying all this anachronistic sexist shit. That's, that's a little much. So anyway, after the second act, after the intermission, the guy comes back, robs the guy, cuts his own throat. Mm-mm. The guy, yes, slices his own throat, dies and goes to heaven. Mm-mm. Yes, suddenly, out of nowhere, this this show, which was literally people standing in front of uh, the silhouette of a boat singing songs about, I'm not making this up, this is a real song, clam bakes, horrendous. Oh, my word. So he cuts his throat. He goes to heaven. He meets God, who is an old version of himself, I think. It was very unclear. Mm. And God lets him go back in time, in the future, to see his daughter, who is now 15, And he intervenes in her life by, again, not making this up. The guy is a serial domestic abuser. He abused his wife on earth. Oh, my gosh. He gets a second chance from God and goes back in time to beat his daughter. (laughs) No. No. I'm not. I am not joking. He's. He is given a star, which is like a little pointy Pier 1 Imports star that you'd hang in your house around Christmas time. Oh, my gosh. He takes the star from heaven, goes to Earth to see his rebellious daughter, and gives her the star. And when she refuses to take it, he beats her. Oh, then my word. he goes back to heaven and is chided by God for just being a total piece of shit. Goes back and sings a song to his daughter who can't see him about how much he loves her and the show ends. Whoa. That sounds bad. It was bizarre. I mean, and back to the original question, does it take three hours to tell that garbage story? I mean, even from an economics standpoint, uh, you're going to sell the same number of tickets if it's a night. Actually, no, you'll sell more tickets because you can do twice as many shows and people aren't crying and scratching their eyes out because they're so bored why do shows need to be three hours long movies aren't three hours long why would freaking broadway musicals that don't have plots be three hours long it's just it's it's absolutely a mystery to me this place was packed i was the only one bored really yeah absolutely everybody loved it people were going nuts people waited in line outside to see these people well, that sounds exciting, John. It sounds like you've had a really great time in New York. I think the it's it's very important here to mention that we passed a, uh, what I thought was an insurmountable hurdle. We made it past two episodes, eh? Mm, John, you're so right. That's when the rubber meets the road. That's when the rubber meets the road, catches on fire, swerves into a ditch, and explodes. And there is no fourth episode. Mm-mm, no, for sure not. We're going to get shut down easily. Do you have a response to, I guess this this cuts right into your work work. Do mm-hmm. you have uh, a response to the haters? So say we put these podcasts out and mm. um, some guy tells us how terrible we are. We sound awful. The stuff we're talking mm-hmm. about isn't, isn't interesting or mm-hmm. funny. Do you know what I tell that guy? Hmm. John, you say? I say John. I'm not making this podcast for you, brah. Go listen to a different podcast. There's a lot of them to choose from. Okay, so you're about to make this movie. We've touched on this a little bit, or you're in the process of making this movie. And I was talking to somebody at dinner the other night about uh, this podcast and the movie you're making. Mm -hmm. The kind of the interesting thing about this movie for you is that it's all on the line. You're writing and directing. So if this Mm -hmm. thing is a 
steaming pile of shit or the most amazing thing ever. It's Mm -hmm. on just you. Mm -hmm. That seems terrifying to people, Mm. I would think, you know, Mm -hmm. because what do you do? Like, let's say you you're a baseball player in high school and everybody tells you you're amazing. And then you go try out for teams over and over again. They're like, you get out of here. You 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 seem like a joke to them, you know. Like, yeah, maybe you were good in Sheboygan, but come on, this is this is major league here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that? How, how are you going to respond to that? Now, I assume, and I'm sure you assume, that the movie's going to come out and just be a huge success. But in the one or two percent chance I don't that know it that isn't, I assume that. Well, I hope you do if you're making mm-hmm. it to some extent, right? Well, I assume it's going to be good. I don't know that right. it'll be a huge success. There's not there's not a lot I can do to uh, predict that. Do you have different categories in your brain for what is successful for this film? Yeah, definitely. Tell us two of them. I want to make a very, very good movie. Let's start with that. I want to make a very good movie. I don't want to make a movie that people are like, oh, that's pretty good for first-time director. I want them to be like, that's a good movie, period. I mean, sure, it helps that I'm a first-time director and I'm going to screw some stuff up. Um, I'm expecting that. But I want to make a super, super good movie. And to me, what that looks like... Well, there, there's obviously the, I try to make a super good movie and I make an okay movie. There's that possibility. Um, I I kind of just don't think that's going to happen because I think I think it's going to be better than that because I think I've put in the work and I'm, I trust other people to help me push it beyond that point. You know, like I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not tone deaf to my own weaknesses as a director you know I'm very aware of them and I'm, I'm leaning into them and I'm trying to surround myself with people who are better than me in those areas what are your weaknesses as a director real quick you got to just tell us because how do you ev- how do you know what they are well I've made a lot of stuff I've made like many 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 things over right, the years okay. and so and- I think some of my weaknesses I'm not um I don't want to say ambitious I'm quite ambitious I'm not flashy you know I and I think that can actually be a real strength but I'm also uh, I'm not into trying crazy visual stunts and I'm not like a big, so, it, you know, again, it's, it's, um, plenty of legendary directors aren't, you know, that's fine. That's not necessarily like disqualifying me from, from being a great quote unquote great director. But, um, in terms of standing out and, and creating something that needs to exist, that's sort of almost my standard is, uh, I see a lot of movies where I'm like, yeah, whatever. This could not exist, and 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 it wouldn't matter to me, you know. Right. Of course, yeah. It, it wouldn't, and not, not just to me, to anyone. Like this movie doesn't contribute really anything. It's just uh, like we talked about last time. It's just a couple of run of the mill white hipsters talking about run of the mill white hipster problems. Uh, those are fine. Whatever people make those movies, and they seem very personal to them. But they're just now. Granted, this is. Uh, this is also not like Moonlight. You know, this is not a movie that's going to b- win a Best Picture and it's not going to be like, oh my gosh, finally the movie we've all been waiting for. I think I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. But there is this thing where it's like, is it fresh? Is it interesting? Does it push itself within the boundaries of what it's set up to do? I mean, those are all me- various kind of measures of success for me. And I think I don't want to make something where it ends and they're like, yeah, good try. Sure. It's fine. You, you made a movie and it's not bad. That's to me. That's bad. That's lukewarm. Is bad. You know. I want to make a movie where not everyone's going to like it. If anything, I don't want everyone to like it because again, that's also another thing where if everyone likes it, then it's probably just a little bit too up the middle. So, to me, yeah, the different types of success. It's um, d- does it feel like the movie is saying something? Does it feel like it's exploring something on a real level? Um, do, do some people, not everyone, but do at least some people come away from it thinking, you know, that kind of, uh, kind of changed the way I think about something small, maybe myself or a one particular relationship I have. Does it have any impact whatsoever on anyone's life? I don't know. I might not even know that necessarily if that happens or not, but I think sometimes when you watch something, you you have that feeling in your gut where you're like, that was a quality piece of that was well crafted and it was came from a, a from a from an honest place and i am glad that i participated in the process of watching that piece of art that's that would be a huge success for me now that doesn't cover anything financial obviously 
Right. So that's the other aspect of it is, you know, are you going to make your money back? Whatever. And of course, those are more uh, quantitative aspects of success. I mean, you can look and say, you know, we made our money back. Boom, that's successful. But the the creative side of it is much more nebulous, you know, because you could make something that makes zero money, but you're super proud of. Mm-hmm. And that could be successful. Yeah. And I'm a pretty would you be satisfied with that. Yeah, I would be satisfied. I mean, here's the deal. It's um, financially the stakes are lower because I intentionally from the beginning have thought of this movie as a movie that I can make for very cheap. Do I think that limits it in any major ways that are going to make it less interesting or less worth watching? No, because otherwise I wouldn't have made this movie. That's part of what I'm attracted to about this movie is that it is extremely contained. It all takes place in a concert venue, but it doesn't feel small. But I think to me, the probably the most disappointing thing would be if the general consensus was, I can see some promise. Let's see what he does next. Mm. That would be, ooh, that would be painful. That would He's be really, got really potential. Hard. Oof, that would be hard. He's got I want to make a movie. It's not going to be perfect. I know it's not going to be perfect, but I want to make a movie where people genuinely are like, damn, that's a good movie, period. Not, it's a good movie for being tiny. Not, it's a good movie for being a first-time director. Not, it's a good movie for et cetera, et cetera. I just want him to say it's a good movie. You know, like when Hunter Gatherer came out, it's a weird movie. We had no clue how people were going to respond. And even, I, I, you know, this is a fun kind of backstory about development, which, again, we'll talk more about that, like, in serious depth one day, but... You need to tell you know, us real quick. Hunter Gatherer was a movie. Hunter Gatherer is the very first narrative feature that I produced. Director Josh Losey, first Mama Bear narrative. Um, Mama Bear is your production company. Mama Bear is the company, yeah. And that was the first narrative feature that we produced. And the whole story of how it came about is super interesting, and I'll tell it one day. But the short version is I read the script, and I just didn't kind of didn't get it the first time. Yeah. And I put it down. And I was like, I'll write him back tomorrow. I'll tell him we're not interested. <clears throat> and then something stuck and it kind of just lodged itself in there. I was like, man, you know, that was different. And I don't read a lot of stuff that's different. Maybe I should read it again because I was kind of in a bad mood. You know, this is the next day. I was like, I was kind of in a bad mood. I was dealing with some other stuff. I was putting out some fires. I wasn't in the right headspace to read something like this. Let me try again. Now I know what I'm getting into. Let me try. And it was a completely different situation. It was one of the coolest, freshest things I've read. And like, it did, you know, this is an example. It did not really make any money, but it was very critically successful. You know, like New York Times critics pick, LA Times critics pick. It was on a lot of top 10 lists and um, it was nominated for some awards. And it was, you know, ultimately it's the kind of movie that I look back on and I'm like, Josh is going to have a great career and that's going to be the kind of movie where people actually still watch it years from now, you know, right? because yeah. it's worth watching years from now. It's not this piece of popcorn bull crap that, that is of the moment. You have no idea when this movie was made. It almost feels like it could be made in the nineties. It feels like it could have been made yesterday. And I think it's going to feel the same way 10 years from now. And that's the right. kind of art that I want to make is, is like, sure it can have cultural, timeliness and relevance but does it have staying power only time can tell that but you can pretty quickly tell when something is a little bit too relevant and a little shallow and just kind of serving a niche audience or serving uh one cultural sort of one societal issue at the time you know even issue movies have to transcend that i believe sure moonlight being a good example of that Moonlight transcends it because it's a freaking terrific film. Right. Aside from the fact that it also had all of these other things going for it, it's just a solid film, period. There's nothing you can take away. You can dislike it, but it's really hard to argue that it's a bad movie. Um, And it also addresses lots of really important topics. And mine is less... uh, you know, Rollers is definitely a lot less. It's not It's not about sexual identity. It's not about, you know, uh, race. It's not about a lot of the sort of big, very important cultural topics that we're thankfully discussing a lot right now. It's not about those things, though. Is there any part of you that feels 
even the littlest bit manipulated when you watch something like Moonlight. Like maybe manipulated isn't the right word, but almost like they're tr- they're intentionally hitting hot button topics because it's Oscar bait. I feel that a lot with lots of movies. I didn't feel it was Moonlight because I felt like the story was so real and it wasn't I don't want to say it didn't flaunt it because it's about that, right. but it wasn't it was so much more than that. You know, it's tricky because, like, I have one very specific movie in mind that would really serve this example, but it's a it's a small movie, and I really I don't want to talk shit about other people's indies, you know, because it's so hard to make small small movies, especially movies that tackle difficult issues that I really don't want to like. I don't want to be a naysayer. I, I I do think, though, there are times where I, I often watch things and I'm like, yeah, you know, whatevs. I'm glad you tackled that topic, but mm, whatevs. My son watched the trailer for the movie Annihilation. Have Ooh, you heard of this or seen the show? Your son watched? That's an intense Do not show him that movie. We I won't get over this with Raiders of the Lost Ark, John. Your kids are not adults. When we were walking through Central Park the other day, there was a box uh, on the on the ground on the grass, you know, right. and it said, "Do not do not look in the box." And we, as a family, the four of us, debated for many minutes mm. of whether or not we should look in the box. And I sort of thought, you know, let's not. You never know. Mm-hmm. Just so, have that little secret. Yeah, and I knew that if I looked, there's no way the kids aren't going to look. Mm-hmm. You know, and who, God knows what's going to be in there. A severed head. A severed head. Who knows? So the kids looked in, and before my son looked in, he asked me, "What if you? What if it's the uh, face melting from Raiders of the Lo- <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark?" That. <laughs> he asked me. He was actually nervous. This these things really stick in your head. I mean, it's the power of vi- the visual medium of film. You know, absolutely. You got to hit us as a director producer real quick. What? What are the terms film and movie interchangeable? I, yeah, I, I think they're interchangeable. I think it's pretty snobby. To, to try to draw a distinction between popular entertainment and art. I just think there is crap. I mean, the Monster Truck movie, oh, fine. If you classic. have to, I mean, that's just probably the worst movie I can possibly think of that came out in the last years. I mean, it would have cost a fortune. I heard, I don't know this for sure, this is hearsay, but I heard that it was some big-time exec maybe at uh, Paramount, I think, was who made it, and their kid loved something like a monster truck cartoon or something and he basically just forced fed this project to the studio because he had that amount of power to do that and no one wanted to make it it was just like a terrible terrible project from the beginning this is why you should never have kids because you're going to end up making crap yeah i know you've got some like veruca salt spoiled brat kid who's yelling at you every day to make like a kids bob movie make me yeah it's terrible. Make me, a, make me a pop star, too. Ooh, you know. yep. Lana Del Rey, folks. Ooh. Look into it. Um, Look into it. Or, uh... It's Friday, Friday, and Friday. That poor girl. Oh, what happened to her? Who is that? Ooh, nothing happened to her. You remember that song, right? Huge I do. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Massive, massive hit. She, um... Soundtrack th- to my senior year in college. Mm-hmm. I remember you always playing it Ugh. back in our journalism class that we took together. Um, it's just another Friday, y'all. Anyway, I mean, how many movies? I was going to ask you this earlier when you mentioned Hunter Gatherer. So you got hmm. the script and at first you passed on it, right? And mm-hmm. it turns out you went back and discovered it was actually good and you decided to make it. Part of what was good about it what was was what was difficult to get the first time because some of the best things are a little more difficult. Some of They, they make you bring a little something to the table, you know? Right. And uh, and that's not always as difficult as, you know, some things. It's This is still not like an art house movie. Have you seen art house movies? At, at the MoMA here, uh, I went a few months ago, and they play in the basement these mm-hmm. just truly bizarre art house movies. Um, there's one Experimental, where I... Experimental, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they're, they're intense, you know? You have mm-hmm. to be careful bringing sensitive people down there oh yeah because it'll be like a guy looking into the camera talking about um you know who knows what like walking down the street 
and suddenly it'll flash cut to like a guy's spread butt cheeks, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Totally. And it's shot on VHS and it's hor- it's horrifying. And then um, they'll like splice in like an open heart surgery and then like exactly. a baby being born. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And you walk away forever changed just mm-hmm. like they hoped. Mm-hmm. You know, the book Confederacy of Dunces. Have you ever heard of this yeah. book? Yeah. So th- the book was written by a guy. I've read it. Have you? Did you like it? I did like it. But again, it takes it, it almost takes the entire book to, to know what you're in for. Well, so the, the fellow that wrote the book, he wrote it and tried to get it published and couldn't. And he ended up killing himself, mm-hmm. I think, when he was, I don't even think he was 30 yet. Yeah, he was young. He, he was pretty young. He killed himself. His mom went through his belongings later on and found the book, read it, and realized it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So she went around, you know, 10 years or so after he died and tried to get the book published and couldn't and ultimately went to uh, an author who was a local in New Orleans where the guy was from, Walker Percy, and he ended up helping get it published and it won won the Pulitzer. You know, it was amazing. But this book very well may never have seen the light of day if not for this. That is so sad. How many movies, how many Citizen Kane's? are just getting passed up over and over and over mm. again. Well, I think a lot I, I think a lot in the grand scheme of things. I think I don't know that those do come along that often because sure. it's really, 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 really hard to write a book as good as the Confederacy of Dunces. Right. It's an you know what I mean? It it's um I'm not saying there aren't a lot in history, but I think there aren't that many good books that get published sure that are that good do you remember going into the barnes and noble back in the day and if if you happen to end up in the romance or sci-fi section there are just thousands of mm-hmm. books it's really astonishing you just look at it and you're like who wrote this and who is reading this i feel the same way with tv shows now sure and yeah. uh, which is which is depressing. And I just saw uh, uh, an article that I'll link to in the New York Times about how HBO apparently had some big kind of depressing um, company wide meeting where basically they said like, "Hey, our business model is changing. Uh, we have to compete with Netflix. We are going to sort of segment our audiences more and go bigger. We're going to go big. We're going to go quantity over quality. And I find that incredibly That's, depressing. Their model was the exact opposite. Of exactly. That. I know they're going to get crushed because they don't have the same amount of money. And even Netflix, I don't even think Netflix is going to be able to hang once um, Amazon and Apple and Facebook, because the, the amount of money that those companies have as true revenue generators, they're basically using they're basically using their 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 multi-billion dollar content generation machines. They're going to be using it basically as marketing. Netflix has to make money on this stuff. Right. You know, the Amazon, they don't give a shit if you if you watch their stuff. They just want you to keep your Prime membership. Sure. Yeah, so if they have X TV show that you want to see, you're more likely to have an Amazon Prime, but they're not That's necessarily exactly making money right. off of those movies. Where no, it's sad though because HBO is is kind of they, they've slipped. I, I I think I I think I can confidently say that they've already slipped. You know, I think they they Game of Thrones is garbage now, and Westworld is a is a train wreck. I mean, it's fun, but it's a total literally train wreck. a train wreck, folks. Uh- <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert! If you're watching Westworld, I apologize. <laughs> Oh, ha, ha. it's a it's a total mess. Um, we watched we watched slid. the first. I mean, it's a mess. It's all a mess. We watched oh, the first Barry's, season. Of- oh my gosh, Barry's good. Sorry, go what's ahead. Barry? I haven't heard of that. Ooh, baby, it's Bill Hader. He's a he's a, a a hitman, a very skilled hitman who goes to do a hit on an actor in L.A., stumbles into his acting class, and falls in love with acting and decides that he wants to be an actor, and it's really, really good. I mean, Bill Hader writes a bunch of them. He directs them. He stars in it, and he's amazing. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's incredible. So, dude, do you know who Chuck Barris is? Speaking of which, I don't know. Yeah, he was the Chuck Barris was the host of the Gong Show. It was a show in the '60s, like a variety mm-hmm. show or something. I think they revitalized Get, it recently. Possibly revitalized, so, revived. I don't know. Revived. So they. He claims that he was going around and assassinating people for the U.S. government while he was doing that show in the 60s. Unverified claims. But if you think that's impossible, everybody out there listening, just look up 
Operation Midnight Climax on mm-hmm. Wikipedia, which is also mm-hmm. what I... Yeah, yeah, Operation Midnight Climax has nothing to do with Chuck Bears. It's also, incidentally, the what I call the anniversary of both of my children being made, Operation Midnight Climax. Mm, it was um, when the CIA wow, wow. set up uh, safe houses in San Francisco, L.A., New York, and basically they would set up a brothel where you could go no. in. Yeah, you could go in, you could get drugs, you can get laid, and everywhere in the building they had cameras and audio recording stuff set up. And the idea was to lure high power people into these brothels to then have stuff to blackmail Ooh, them with. Like they do in Russia with our president. Bingo. But, you know, rumors have circulated even about Mr. Rogers, speaking of assassins, that he was like a Green Beret sniper, you mm. know. Have you heard that? Yeah, and I think they've they've pretty much disproven that. Oh, yeah. If, if, if you didn't already not believe it, have you seen um, Won't You Be My Neighbor? No, I haven't. It is terrific it's a documentary and i actually want i think john i think each week it'd be fun if we do a little um what's out slash what should you be watching slash you know just like a little just a little recommendation you know like something something that we and i think in the future you know because john i know you don't actually like movies i hate them uh maybe we can plan ahead a little bit we can both see whatever it is that we're going to recommend and then we can kind of you know talk about it but in we the can meantime, start now folks not just with movies don't see carousel if you don't see carousel value your time save your money and go see won't you be my neighbor incredible incredible dude it seems like i mean you just see him with these kids and he's just so empathetic and they just love him so much and I don't know, dude. I cried so hard. It was. I mean, he's scandal free, right? He's one of those. Oh, 100%. Zero accusations. The only thing he's been accused of is is being pro gay and anti gay. Those are basically the only (laughs) two things. Like, and, 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 and the reason for that is because he, um, because he just kind of is a, is a, is a human being who loves people. So obviously people find a way to hate him for that. But, totally scandal free the dude is incredible i'm sure he had problems but according to everyone he seems like he's actually as awesome as he was on the show i think he captures something that we really need right now which is um sort of a moderate approach that is to to the world to people that is based more in love and empathy than it is in othering people and trying to find extremes, you know, he he's always kind of looking for a way to relate to the other side, and to whether that's a child or, uh, you know, a, a person he disagrees with, you know, a congressman who he's lobbying to keep the funding for PBS so that kids can actually access entertainment that's healthy for them. There's just so many great scenes. I, I really recommend it. It's in theaters now. Won't you be my neighbor? I'll watch it. I'll let you know what I think. Speaking of H- Sesame Street is on HBO now, mm. dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Is there nudity in it? <laughs> All the Muppets are nude. They've always been oh, nude, no. though. You just didn't realize it. <laughs> they just started showing their junk. They, ju- they took oh, the Band-Aids boy. off their nipples, and now they're fancy free. Yeah. Hey, you know what? However they got to make it. John, let's, let's take a quick break and uh, do a little mailbag, a little oh, mailbag section. Baby. What do you think Come of that? You want to answer the mail? Oh baby, hit me up! I, I think it'd be fun every week because you know I, we're going to get a lot of questions. I think now that we're re- now that we're out there, now that we're in the world, we, we're getting a lot of a lot of people uh, want to. They have they have comments, they have thoughts, they have questions, and and we want to we want to engage with our audience. Okay, I got a piece of mail here from Mr. Teddy Bronson of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Teddy, you hey spelled she- Teddy, you spelled your home city incorrectly, my friend. Teddy hey. wrote to us. He wrote. Keep up the good work, guys. Aw, Teddy, that is so sweet. That is just the nicest. Teddy's just checking in on us. Teddy, we love you. Let's do a little Teddy salute. Yep. There is nothing, nothing to do in Sheboygan. Oh, he's listening to our show. That's what he's doing. He listens to it over and over he listens to our show, WTF with Mark Marin, and Up First on NPR. Those are the three shows. He just loops them. Oh, and wait, wait, don't tell me. Up First? Never heard of that. What's that? It's on NPR One. You ever listen to NPR One? Yeah. It's basically NPR. Yeah, it's a terrific app. I think it's one of the best news apps out there. But it's, um, put it in your queue. It's great. They just, every morning, it's kind of like Morning Edition, but it's just a little bit, 
quicker and they just kind of give you a little recap of the day and or recap of the day before set you up for the day to come it's pretty awesome sounds amazing i'll have to get it and i i think it's really smart that you're um promoting our competitors well they're good shows We'll promote good shows. We'll we'll shit all over the bad ones, but we'll promote the good ones. Speaking of good shows, I just I just wanted mm. to read. You know, we're talking about fine writing, and you wrote a script, and scripts are not easy to write. Songs, et cetera, it, it takes a lot of skill. In fact, some mm-hmm. of these people, when you hear a true genius uh, talk about their art, a lot of them will say things like. I have no idea where the inspiration came from. It just popped into my head, almost as if somebody else placed it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I went to a wedding in New Jersey, and one of my distant relatives was telling me that Jordan Peterson, the controversial psychologist, changed his life. So on my way home, mm-hmm. I listened to some Jordan Peterson, and he talked about how uh, we don't really know where ideas come from. And in fact, it does sort of seem like they might come from outside. They might come from somewhere else. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's really kind of an interesting idea because you think about it, where do your thoughts come from? You know, Mm -hmm. are you making them up? It doesn't seem like you are. But, you know, to that very point, um, I just wanted to read a little bit here of some like really, really amazing writing here. And this, Mm. uh, well, I'll just start here. Foist come codfish chowder, cooked in iron kettles, onions floating on top, curling up in petals. Throwed in some ribbons of salted pork, an old New England trick, and lapped it all up with a clamshell tied onto a bayberry stick. Oh, this was a real nice clam bake. We're mighty glad we came. (laughs) It doesn't get much finer than that, folks. If you haven't seen it, Drop everything, rush out today, and go see Carousel. It's on Broadway. Tickets are only 70 bucks. You will not regret it. (laughs) I can do so many things with 70 bucks. Dude, you know what I can do with 70 bucks? You could probably buy an actual Carousel now. I think you you know what I can also do? Tell me. I can go back to Major Domo. Oh. David Chang's restaurant. Oh, no. Speaking of podcasts. It's in Chinatown. Chinatown in in L.A., not New York, correct? Chinatown in L.A., yeah. It's his first L.A. restaurant. It was such a delightful experience. Well, tell us what the building's like. What is it? What does it oh, look okay. like? Okay, so it, for, yeah. So first of all, it's in it's in it's in the very it's in a very industrial part of Chinatown. There's just all warehouses and there's graffiti everywhere. There's they're really beautiful old old warehouses. Yeah, but it's it's this it's this very weird industrial part of the city that's kind of right northeast of downtown, right between the interstate, the LA River. Great little area. Not probably a lot of other things going on you know it's kind of a weird area to start a restaurant sure but the building it's huge it's got a massive outdoor eating area which is just one of the best things about la is that you can actually not only find the space in new york finding outdoor space to put a restaurant is difficult but it's closed half the year so why the heck would you spend the money here it's open all year and so, you know, you can have a beautiful outdoor patio with like really nice trellis above you, but it's all got still this very industrial feel. It's a much bigger restaurant than the one that I went to, uh, Momofuku. You know, it's much bigger. I know he doesn't like the term fusion, but I don't know what all it, it's, it's Asian food. It's, sure. it's, it's just Asian food and it is incredible. So what'd you have there? Okay. I'll work backwards. I'll start with dessert. We had um, these, I, you know, I wish I could remember exactly what they're called. They were these little, think of like a beignet that got impregnated by something else delicious. And it, Ta- it was soft and, and creamy. No, but it's like all wrapped up inside. It's kind of like a mochi. And it's mm. this very, it's this Korean dessert that it's hot. It's served hot. And it's this gummy, not gummy. That sounds gross. It's a, it's a, it's a very stretchy. Um, sounds less dough. gross. Yeah, it's this. It's yeah. I'm, I'm gosh. I'm not a food writer. It's it's a it's a it's a really stretchy, delicious dough that's kind of wrapped around. It's it's like a dumpling, but it's a dessert dumpling. It's and fried. It's, it's I've never had anything like it. It's I think it's grilled almost like on a flat top. Mm. Um. 
super, super delicious, not too sweet, just like a little bit of saltiness almost. And oh man, incredible. Um, for the, for the main dishes, we had really delicious, almost, you know, naan, classic Indian Pakistani type, uh, 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 bread. It was similar to naan, but it was a little thicker and really hot and deep fried. And then they bring it out with these different toppings. And one thing we had was eggs and smoked roe. And they basically take a soft-boiled egg and they put smoked roe in it. And you just kind of mash the whole thing up and make this incredible mixture that you can kind of spread on it. Part of the power of roe, though, is the texture. So you're telling me they mash the roe. So no, you don't of- mash it. You, you kind of mix the egg in with the roe okay. in, the, in, the, in the yolk. And so, yeah, you still get the, you still get the poppy, the pop, the, the, you get the pop. Oh, you get the pop big time. And this is for people that don't know row their fish eggs. Yes. And they're big old fish eggs. They're like the, the ones I've usually had, they're slightly bigger than a BB, a metal BB, and Mm -hmm. they pop in your mouth when you bite them. I believe that that is an excellent, excellent description. The the taste is salty, briny, fishy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got one of the fried rice things, and it was just absolutely. It had this this fried um, skate. Uh, mm. So you know skates. I've never had skate before, but it's it like was a stingray. Fr- deep fried skate with tempura and some other stuff. Yeah, it's basically a miniature stingray, I think. Yeah. And um, they cut it up. Oh, I, I I can't recommend this place highly enough. It was abs, and it's honestly not that expensive. I mean, yeah. What'd you drop? How much you drop? I think we dropped. There were three of us. I didn't drink, but you know Kelly and my uncle, who I was with, did. Uh, we probably dropped two hundred bucks. Not too bad. But 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 we had a feast. I mean, we were totally stuffed. We ate everything we wanted. They got multiple drinks. I mean, it was not a cheap dinner, no matter where we went. Sure. Um, let alone the service was absolutely incredible. I mean, everything about this place was just spot on. If you don't have it, folks, go out and buy David Chang's Momofuku Cookbook. It is the best mm. cookbook I own. Maybe second, maybe to Balthazar's cookbook, which is a little Ooh. restaurant here in New York. It's a fantastic cookbook. Those two are must have, must haves, and they're pretty much the only two cookbooks I use. Uh, so one quick story I want to tell you about New York. Yesterday, you know the the guys that busk on the subway that it's mm-hmm. almost dead. Cell phones have almost killed this mm-hmm. because now everybody's you have an excuse. You can just stare at your mm-hmm. phone and pretend like you don't hear the guy that's yelling, "Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I just Ugh. lost my leg in the Vietnam War." I thought you were talking about like the guys in the station who play music because that's kind of fun. That a lot of those is- people are still good, but you're talking about the guy who preaches. I use the word busking, which is what it, what you described is actually busking. These guys are soliciting. They're beggars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're actually pretty rare now in New York. I, I encountered one, and but it was unusual because the guy stood in between the subway cars with the door open. You know, so it makes the, if you're not familiar with the New York subway, there are individual cars and like maybe 30, 40, 50 people can sit in each car. And there are doors that you can open to traverse into the next car. Right. And in that in-between space, you're exposed to the elements, which means usually if you're in Manhattan, you're in a tunnel. And there's not a lot of clearance. I mean, you could stick your arm out and hit the wall. Mm -hmm. And it's quite dangerous. You're not supposed to ride in between the cars. So we're sitting there, me and my kids, and a guy opens the doors. He's standing in between the cars. He opens the door into our car. And he tells us that it's his birthday, and he oh boy, he never he hasn't gotten any money for his birthday, and he's gonna mm. kill. He he tells us this last night, he's gonna kill himself. No, no joke. He says I, this I did not happen. Yes, it did. The guy says I didn't get any money for my birthday, and who's gonna give me money? Like very aggressive, and everyone oh. immediately looks down at their cell phone. He's like, all right, I'm gonna kill myself, and so he what he steps up onto the onto the guardrails in between the cars and he makes like he's gonna whack his head you know are you kidding me no joke so everybody i'm looking at him i'm watching him and the thing is he didn't really leave room open for dialogue you know it was sort of like he opened the door he yelled a threat at us and before anybody could even reach into their pocket to pull out a dollar he's like well fuck it here i go and he (laughs) he goes in but it was the most half-hearted attempt to do anything I've ever seen. I gotta seen. know how this ended. Basically, it ended with him not killing himself, not getting any money, and exiting the train 
quietly. It was I um it was utterly bizarre. I think a woman gave him a quarter I, oh. in the other train car because I wa- he tried it with us and everyone just immediately looked down at their phones. And so he turned around and he tried, he tried it again and somebody gave him a quarter for his birthday mm. instead of him killing himself. You know, I think I, I think I understand his strategy a little bit. You know what I think he's doing? I think he is he's he's giving up on the dollar by dollar approach and he's hoping for a sugar mama. He's like, I think he's like, one day this is going to work and some rich lady is going to feel so bad for me that she's going to take me in and let me live in her three-story condo on the Upper West Side. Yeah. Oh, that um, that is brilliant. I think that's what he's doing. Man. He's like, I don't don't want money. I want a sugar mama. I I think that's permanent. He wants a permanent solution. Mm Mm-hmm. And not not in the way that the Can Germans you blame him? made it. Yeah, no, I don't blame him. Actually, I, that I didn't mean, occur to me. But also, that's incredibly manipulative, and he should never, ever, ever do that, especially with kids around. That's fucked up. It was totally fucked up. My kids were scared. Um, that is so messed up. Yeah, it was sad. But he, you know what? He's not in his right mind. And I explained no, that. That's the sad thing. He probably really needs help. He needs help. He needs a sugar mama yeah. so bad. He needs some woman who has a god complex who wants to fix people, and she'll take him under... Her wing. Well, he and, needs, yeah, and he needs social services that actually address his mental health issues. I but guess. that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Speaking of suicide, though, how's your project? Uh, how's Rollers going? <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of suicide. John. Segway, man. Jeez Louise. Um, it's, uh, dude, Rollers is going great. Actually, the minute we get off this call, I am getting on the phone with a cast with the casting director the casting really? director that i've been talking talking about yeah um it's been a little tough to to connect because there's been some travel and uh lots of sort of busyness but we finally have a call scheduled she's new york based so i'm getting on at uh 12 p.m eastern time has she given you any feedback on the script no, I think that's partly what this call will be. That's what the call is, is, is be. just her thought. Yeah, I'm excited. So I'll have a I'll have a real bona fide update on that. I'm also talking to some producers. I'm still doing that. Um, I had a great meeting with a good friend of mine, who is an excellent uh, producer. I'm kind of looking for a, a a lead creative producing partner. Um, which Weinstein's I think next out week, on bail, baby. Weinstein's out on bail. Hit him up. I, th- I think I learned my lesson last time when we hired him, <laughs> and he almost ruined our last company. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about talking to that uh, that that producer. And I think next week a fun a fun topic might be talking about uh, some of the various things that producers do. Yeah, I actually was going to ask you what what's a guy got to do. What's a what's a little Johnny Bear got to do to get a producer credit? Surely there's a mm. way. Mm. Money is it money? We'll just have to talk about that next week. I got seventy bucks that I could have mm. put towards my producer credit that I wasted. That would have gotten you some of the way there. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll 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 talk about it next week. I'm excited about it. That's a John. Great topic. Speaking of speaking of homeless people, though, I want to I want to tell you this story. I've been, I've, I've been sitting on this story. Uh oh. Oh baby, it's a good. It's it's not that great of a story, but it. I I wanted to tell you because it's so freaking weird. Okay, so speaking of homeless people, this guy's not actually homeless. This is Keith, the not homeless guy. Okay. Um, I I thought he was homeless. He's not homeless. He sits outside, maybe fifty yards from my house. Um, it's kind of he, his post. He's a man of on leisure. Hollywood Boulevard. You could say that. No, he's a he's a he's a man. He's a man trying to make some shit happen. Oh, he's okay. Between jobs. He's between jobs and he has no safety net. So what else is he going to do? You know, I, I don't know exactly why um, he's unemployed, but he's he's not just like resigned to homelessness. He is truly struggling. Anyway, I only know this because I see him all the time. I drive past him constantly. He's not there every day because he gets jobs and, and he does them and then he disappears for three, four days and then, you know, the job ends because usually it's like part-time day labor stuff. And then he and then he's back out um, and, he, and he sits there. But he's sort of the opposite. Part of the reason I like this guy, Keith, is he's kind of the opposite of this guy, um, this guy on the subway. He has an incredible amount of dignity hmm. despite the fact that he is is usually uh, unable to find employment. He sits there. He he's got a little. Um, he he's got headphones and he's also got a jam box, and he's got a little sign and he says, "Anything helps, God bless." And he's not begging. He's just basically saying, 
hey, if you can help, you can help, you know, and he's a great dude. I've talked to him several times, and I finally was like, you know, I like this guy, Keith. Uh, I'm going to go see what he's up to because I was sitting around doing nothing, and um, I had just passed him. Anyway, long story short. How old is Keith? Um, How old is this fella? I think Keith is probably, I'm going to guess, 47. Is he well-kempt? Is he... He is. He looks like a... He's a good-looking dude. Okay. Um, yeah, he's he's very clean. I will, So I find out... So I go over there. Um, you know, we live in a state where marijuana is legal. Cannabis. Um, cannabis. Cannabis. Marijuana, a.k.a. cannabis. And, um, well... You know what? This is going to come up eventually. I may as well just tell people. I enjoy a little cannabis from time to time because it is legal. I have anxiety. I have been prescribed by a doctor cannabis as a remedy for that. And it's recreationally legal too. But for all you, you know, for grandma and everybody else, it's okay. But anyway, um, basically, so I, you know, I'm like, you know, this guy, he's a good dude. I just, I just want to pause. I, I feel like six dozen if we have that many listeners six dozen mm-hmm. of our of our listeners who are on all types of pharmacopoeia just gasped folks you're I know. you're ambien you're xanax it is yeah. much more dangerous oh yeah much li- more li- mind altering so shush with the gasping so anyway one day i'm walking back from a dispensary okay with a, a little white bag they give you these white bags these childproof bags that are hard to open because they don't want kids getting into it and um, I'm walking back. I give him a couple bucks, and I'm like, "How you doing, Keith?" He's like, "I'm." He's like, "I'm all right today." And uh, as I'm walking away, he's like, "I like weed too." Uh oh. And, and I was like, "And I was like, oh boy, all right, I'll be back sometime." So you know, I kind of forget for a couple days, and then I'm like, you know, I'm gonna go hang out with my boy Keith. So uh, I had this this pre rolled joint, and uh, I walk down and hang out with Keith. We smoke a joint and we just talk. Now, here's why I'm telling the story. A, Keith is a very cool dude. He, he actually has a house. He says it's a terrible house. He hates it, but it is. It, he shares it with a couple people. It is at least a roof, and he lives nearby. He's between jobs. So I start asking about his story, right? And I'm like, how'd you, you know, wh- uh, how long have you been here? How long have you been on, you know, kind of on the street? Like, what's your deal? Yeah. Long story short, I think he kind of implied that at some point he had a little bit of a drug problem. I, I didn't, we didn't get super deep into it but um what i find out is he you know he's like yeah i just kind of traveled around the country for a few years and i was like well where'd you where were you before that and he was like oh i was in the southeast i was like oh okay what where what state tennessee Uh uh-oh and i'm like where in tennessee chattanooga you probably haven't heard of it and i was like not kidding dude keith the not homeless guy who sits on my block every day is from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Had you ever, because you have lived in Chattanooga for a long time. You lived in Chattanooga. You lived there for 10 years. Did you guys cross paths? Is it possible? Did you try to discern this? We, yeah, no. We, I mean, I don't think we did. He said he lived out near Hamilton Place. That's how I knew. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Which is the mall in Chattanooga. I think he worked as a plumber or with a plumber. Pretty wild, though, How the heck did he end up out there? Dude, he said a he said a four year long trip. Wow! <laughs> and I think he meant trip in a in, in in a pun sort of a way. Sure. Um, so you thought you're going to help this guy, this guy who's a a drifter, a wanderer. You thought, you, and with a drug problem, you thought you'd help him by giving him some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get to know him, and I I thought you know you thought it'd be a good icebreaker. Uh, we're neighbors. We're sure. neighbors. Sure. You know, I just kind of wanted to talk to him and see what was up. And uh, the, the story went far deeper than I ever expected. Inspired by the story of Fred Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor, you decided to reach out to your fellow man. You know, I can't remember if this was before or after I saw the movie. But yeah, basi- that, that's the basic gist of it. Because you, you basically are the drug-using Fred Rogers of L.A. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm fine with that moniker. <laughs> He's a good dude, though. Keith the Not Homeless Guy. You know, I, I thought about it. I actually think one day... I need to I need to ask him how he'd feel about this. It wouldn't surprise me if he's not into it, but it would be kind of fun to to maybe have him on and and have him tell a story. We'll see. As long as it's not exploitative. No, exactly. That's the thing. I we want don't want to do the bum fights it. of uh, podcasting. You know. No, 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 no. I want him to be into it, and if he's not into it, then we're not going to do it. We could try to get Harmony Current. You know Harmony Current. Speaking of films, uh, he made Kids yes. and Gummo. Have you mm-hmm. seen those movies? Yep. He made. Uh, 
a movie a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, called Harm Fights. Have you heard about this? I don't know if it was ever released, Mm-mm. but basically he would go up to people in New York, I, th- I think New York, and instigate a fight with a huge guy hmm. and have his friend film him basically just getting beat to a bloody pulp. I don't know if I like that. It's not the best idea. I, he got so hurt, if I remember right, that they stopped filming completely. You know, they stopped the movie. Yeah, I, I, I can see how that might happen. Yeah. The kids in Gummo, if you haven't seen them, folks, I don't know if you should or not, but it, it's transgressive, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the only term for those movies, especially Gummo. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, not a big, uh, I'm not a big transgressive film guy. You know, I, I get it. I understand why those films exist, but it's just not my thing. I tried to watch a movie called Santa Sangre with my wife, which mm. means the saint's blood. And I, th- mm. I forget who directed it, uh, but it's intense. You know, my wife watched it with me. It's about a bunch of circus freaks that live together and the their relationships with each other. And we turned it off in a scene where a carnival guy is giving a kid a tattoo with a knife. You know, he's like basically branding this kid, scarifying his skin. It's like a 10 minute scene of some like 10 year old boy getting sliced uh, up by Oh my goodness. It's, you know, come on people. I don't don't know if I need that. Can't we just go to a clam bake together, you know? Can't we just get along? Clam bake time, baby. That's what we need. More clam bakes, less violence, less fighting. I bet Mr. Rogers would have loved to host a, a clam bake. Fred Rogers. Carousel's right up his alley. He has the patience and the kindness to sit through that type of thing. You know what? Actually, I just thought of this. A friend of mine has produced a Broadway musical. I want to talk to her, and I'm going to have an answer. What musical? Oh, you know, I can't remember the name of it. Cats. We got to get the smaller smaller musical. We're going to have her on, and I'm going to find out why the heck... They're three hours long. And why they still exist. Because if I was a producer, I would definitely say, this is going to be a 90-minute musical, no intermission. We're doing twice as many shows selling the same number of tickets for the same price. Or maybe we could just do something else. Oh, baby. Well, on that note, John, this has been great. Um, hey, just real quick, let's do a little, a little preview of next week. I think next week we should talk about producers. We will talk about producers. I will tell you I about tell my you... trip to the beach. Oh, dude, by the way, um, did you say hi to Bruce for me? Because he performed the wedding that you were at in New Jersey, right? Bruce did perform. I went to a Jersey wedding in Tuckahoe, beautiful Tuckahoe, New Jersey. Mm. New Jersey, the state where you can't pump your own gas. You you what? You can't pump your own gas in Jersey. You pull up no. to the... Yeah, oh yeah, you can't. It's all full service? It's only full service. It is illegal for you, a citizen, to pump your own gas. It's a dangerous, is... flammable liquid. I get you know what you're kind of right. You don't just let any. When's idiot the put- last time a gas station exploded? Well, in New Jersey, never because they have qualified mm, people doing it for you. Professionals, professionals, exactly. Mm. Does Bruce Springsteen also pump gas in New Jersey? He doesn't. He's beyond that. But they do only mm, play his songs. Yeah, they only play his mm. songs though at gas stations. So he pumps gas, performs weddings. No, he does not pump gas. He, he does not pump weddings and he and circumcisions. And and circumcisions, yeah. Every it's, circumcision. He's the Jimmy Savile of New Jersey. It's good to see a guy like that staying busy. He's been divorced. He's he needs the extra income. <laughs> he's married. Well, you know. He's been married for a while. Has he really? Patty. Patty. Yeah, they've been married for like twenty five years. Um anyway. Well, on that note, John, it's been it's been great. Um, I'm talk to you next week. To, uh, to talk to you in a week. Have a fun rest of your trip. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye. bye. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of I Guess We'll Do It That Way. Join us next week when we talk about the role of producers and help John maneuver his way into an undeserved credit on the movie. Today's show was produced and edited by Isaiah Smallman. Executive producer John Schimpf. Intro music is The Get Down by Summer Dregs. Outro music is The Man from Nowhere by Tom Paulus and Max Bells. Our cover art was designed by Nate Giordano. This has been a production of Mama Bear Studios. I'm a man from nowhere, feeling the heat of the desert Almost heaven. Lo- I love that song. How's it go again? I gotta, I gotta look up the chords. It's a great song. 
Almost heaven. West Virginia. West Virginia. Mountain mama. Blue Ridge Mountains. Shenandoah River. Life is old there. Older than the trees. Younger than the mountains. Blowing like the breeze. Come on, John. Country road. Take me home to the place I belong. He didn't help me. Well, you know, it's not really my forte, but that sounded amazing. You've got a career. If podcasting doesn't work out. Oh, thanks, John. That sounded really spectacular. It's your boy.